Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire the Canon, the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. This week, we have a very special guest with us, and uh, we'll go ahead and let everybody introduce themselves. So I'm Jackie, one of your hosts. I'm Rachel, your other host. I'm Theo, the producer. And I'm Jess, the guest. So Jess, she is a booktuber, which some of our audience might be a little bit out of the demographic to know what that is. She's doing the booktube <laughs> dance. You can't see it, but she did it. But booktube <laughs> is just a term for like YouTubers who talk about books. It could be like people who talk about writing books or just do their reviews or talk about like drama in the bookish world. Jess's YouTube channel is called Jess Owens. She's also on Instagram and Twitter as, is it just said by Jess or is it like, are there some underscores in there? Twitter was annoying and someone <laughs> had it. So there's an underscore said by Jess on Twitter, but then Instagram is just said by Jess. Okay, there you have it. We're going to have our audience docs said by Jess on Twitter without the underscore. So you can oh, just okay. have that back. Yeah. Just run her off. Give me my name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Jess makes a lot of really interesting videos. I actually found her videos because there was some drama with an author who did something really stupid <laughs> and I was like what is going on in this situation was it Roxanne Gay no, <laughs> no. okay <laughs> it was someone else this was pretty recent uh but I said like what's going on because this author had deleted her tweets already of course so I like looked to find a video and Jess had one that explained it like very in depth and had the tweets and everything and I was like oh that was great so I started watching some more videos and you do like roundups of books and reviews mm -hmm. but it seems like your main series right now is called like book community tea and you just kind of <laughs> explain book drama yeah do you want to <laughs> explain what book community is yeah uh, book community is I mean what it sounds like bookish tea any drama or discourse that's kind of going on on the book internet I guess um, so sometimes it's authors behaving badly or content creators, uh, publishers I've even included. It started out more as like content creators and it expanded really anything that people or a lot of people are talking about usually on Twitter. I cover some of it's just like really funny petty drama. Some things are more serious. So from week to week, it varies. There's always something. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there's just endless material. Yes. <laughs> you're at the point now, I feel like you've been doing it long enough that I've seen a couple videos where you're like, here's an update on some drama. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and when did you when did you start it? So I only started last July. It's almost been a year. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, she seems like she's got to have so many more than just this, but you're relatively new and like doing so well. I'm really surprised at how well it's done. <laughs> I mean, because I only started my channel last year also, the end of July. June and then a couple videos and something happened and I had the idea. So it's been really pretty fast. I mean, I'm grateful, but I've just been like, these people listen to me like consistently. <laughs> <laughs> it's really for Nigel. I know it's fine. Aww. I'm just his mouthpiece and I'm okay with that. Uh, if you remember Theo, Nigel is her cute little French bulldog. Right. He's the cutest. Yes. Yeah, he's really cute. And uh, audience, I'm sure she has some pictures of him on her Instagram, so you should check those out. We're very, very grateful that Nigel's mom decided to be on our podcast today. <laughs> yeah, right. That he allowed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we spoke a little bit earlier, like a couple months ago or a month and a half ago, to kind of discuss what we would be talking about today. 
And I asked you, you know, how did you decide to get into YouTube? And it seems like it wasn't really you decided. You just thought like, oh, I've got some time. Let me try this out. Really? So (laughs) you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, I had thought about it on and off from when I started watching BookTube, which was probably like 2017. Mm. I always worked full time and it just wasn't in the cards for me personally. Mm. There's so many people who do it. I applaud them. But then moving to Sicily, uh, because my husband's in the military, I don't work. And so I was like, well, I mean, if any time I should try it, it should be now. Like, right. And so I kind of started it. I was like, I'll give myself a year. I'll post at least one video per week. And if I'm not enjoying it, it's not doing well, then I'll call it quits. It obviously has done well. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep going. Right. <laughs> and had you done any sort of video editing before that? Or is this? No, I was watching YouTube videos on how to start a YouTube channel. I, like, <laughs> I knew I could like, record on my phone, but it was a lot of Googling and watching YouTube. Like I would be, I just used yeah. iMovie on yeah. my Mac mm. and I'd have to pause and be like, how do I add in a picture? <laughs> so, yeah, right. But I mean, what if you, what if you don't even know how to get to YouTube? There's no YouTube video for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know? I really don't know how people, maybe there's a like wiki how with steps and some <laughs> images to help right. someone. Anything right. I can't figure out, I'm like, I bet you there's a YouTube video for it. So yeah. that was already my natural there always is. go-to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you're basically using, not using booktubing, but so you decided to do this, like to take advantage of the fact that you had a lot of time because you're in Sicily now. Mm -hmm. What has it been like, you know, living in Sicily? I mean, you're on base, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're here. It's a Navy base. My husband's Air Force. And I mean, there's jokes between branches about (laughs) who's better. And so we're just like, "Mm, the Navy. And when we first got here in July 2019, it was not what we expected. I think when you Google Italy and Sicily, you see all these really pretty pictures and Mm -hmm. the area that the base is in is not that. (laughs) The closest city is really kind of grimy. I don't know. It's not a pretty, necessarily pretty place. There are prettier places on the island. So getting off, we were flying in and we had gone to, we eloped in April of the same year in Maui. So in my mind, I'm like, (laughs) island, I'm thinking Maui and, and the plane's coming in and it's just like brown and I'm like, this can't, this can't be it. <laughs> right? We're on the wrong flight. <laughs> Sicily doesn't have a lot of money. Some places are really, they're just not like taken well taken care of mm-hmm. in some areas. And so that was a bit of a shock. But like the first six months, we at least got to travel around the island. I went to Morocco. I went to, we went to Brussels, like, mm-hmm. but then COVID hit obviously. Right. And we locked down. So it's been really restrictive being here versus like being in the States because Italy locked down and we could do nothing besides like go to the grocery store <laughs> or the mm-hmm. pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been on and off since last March. And we only two weeks ago finally went yellow Mm -hmm. where we had the ability to leave. And so we took a last minute trip to Switzerland just to get out, watching other people in the States like do stuff. And I'm just like, well, I went to Ikea this week. (laughs) 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 So we're hoping we can experience some more now. We've done a couple of things. So yeah, it's been kind of limiting because, you know, we did stuff the first six months trying to get used to it. Found some really great gelato places though. 
<laughs> and trying foods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Christmas was really cool, with like Christmas markets, but then COVID set us back. And so. the world ended. Yeah. So they have English language libraries there? So on base, yes. So I've got, I get like physical books there, but I also do ebooks and audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I order my books from the States, but it's just like so many books come out. Like right now, like Ace of Spades came out on yeah. Tuesday. And I'm like, I want it. I want it now. But <laughs> it takes like two weeks to get to me in the mail. Right. And then the waiting list on the library, I'm waiting too. So I'm just like waiting. I don't like it. (laughs) I would think that would be like a big drawback for a booktuber, right? Because so much of it is like talking about what books are trendy. It definitely is. Some people can keep up with new releases. I mean, like I know what's coming out, um, but I read more backlist books. So like Mm -hmm. older titles, but I do read newer titles. I just can't like, even if I wanted to be in the week of when like everyone's putting out a reading vlog or talking about a book, right. unless I get on the first uh, person on the library wait list, mm-hmm. I'm usually always a couple weeks behind. So that is, <clears throat> there's rarely a book where I'm like, I want to read it now, except right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that does stink when everyone's like, oh, look what came in the mail. And I'm like, I'll be here in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine yours is just like on some kind of like tugboat, just like jugging across the sea? Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now what I'm wondering cuz I also have a, I have a lot of books too and we moved recently is are you ever stressed about moving all those books to wherever your husband's station next. <laughs> yes and no. How does he feel about it? <laughs> I mean, he's fine. My mom is always like, why do you keep buying all those books? You know you're gonna move. I'm like, oh, I'm growing a collection, woman. It can't wait. It's my job now. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when we, I had a bunch of books coming over here. So with the military, at least with the Air Force, months in advance, they come to your house and pack your stuff and ship it. Yeah. Because, you know, it has to go in like, I don't know, right, cargo right. boat or whatever. So although I was like, really wanting to pack them myself because I have like some collector editions, you know, some that they're my babies. Mm-hmm. We ended up with a company and a contract where we could not pack anything or they wouldn't insure it if we did. Wow. Oh, I worked from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I'm staying. I'm going to watch this guy like a hawk <laughs> when he comes to pack my books. <laughs> that must have been so awkward. <laughs> like I'm just like, these are my babies. Like take care of them. And he was like, oh yeah, no problem. I've packed up so many things. Humble brag. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, and the universe had it out for me because we had like a spare car that we were selling that was parked on the street in our neighborhood. It's like 25 miles an hour and someone hit it while it was parked. And while I'm watching him pack the books, I get a knock on the door. I'm like, run downstairs, it's a cop. And they're like asking for my husband because that's who the car is under. And I'm like panicking, but they're like, oh, your car just got hit. And it's the one parked on the street. Why didn't they just say that first? He said my husband. And I was like, oh my God, thinking like he was in a wreck. Yeah. He got a kick out of it. He was like, oh. Uh, no, it's just the one out there. Well, there's been a wreck, but your husband's not involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, thanks. Ma'am, I'm so sorry. There's been an accident. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Wait for it to be towed. Wait for a police report. So, like, by the time I got back, he had packed most of the books. And I'm like, hmm. I mean, most of them were fine. I did have some that got, like, warped and bent. And, like, mm. one bookshelf oh, got a... It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You're clearly <laughs> over it. But it was insured, right? So, wouldn't they have to buy you more books or something? You're supposed to go through this whole claim process process and you know sometimes it's good sometimes it's not I ended up not getting my money back for those but it was mostly like paperbacks because of how they packed them yeah and so I was like okay whatever 
I'm just going to take this L and move on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking forward to the next wow. move, but we'll just, they'll endure. They're strong. <laughs> it's just so funny to think like you have to wait for weeks for books to get to you. And this is the Air Force. Yeah, just put them on a plane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Come on. You could get them in five minutes probably. Yeah. Where's the fighter jet? <laughs> yeah. I want my books. Yeah. <laughs> the U.S. government wishes we had planes that could go from the U.S. to Italy in five minutes. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, just look, you you messed up my like priceless paperbacks. Exactly. You owe me one. <laughs> Give me a plane. Yeah, Take right. me to the nearest Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah, because of course I had Amazon Prime when I was in the States, could order things, get them. And now I'm just like, oh, there was a time I used to do this. I have to go back. I have to channel those olden days where I had to wait <laughs> for things. Right. Yeah. But it feels like being much more in the past, like even just past Amazon Prime. Now it's like yes. hundreds of years ago. You have to wait for weeks. What is that? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, is it on a horseback? Where's my carrier pigeon bringing my, my stuff? And it's better now, but at like the height of COVID, it was so bad. It was some things two months. Like it just depended. Like some things were just out there in the ether for a really long time. So it's back to its normal, like 12 day-ish. But yeah, height of COVID, some things were taking 30 to 45 days. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, yep. glad nothing is urgent. <laughs> I would have loved to see all the bookstagrammers, like instead of taking piles of like pictures of piles of, of their books, it would just be like, and here's a picture of my Kindle screen. Some bookstagrammers do that. Mm-hmm. They just have like the cover of the book on their Kindle or like on an iPad or something. And they just like prop it up nicely. Maybe just a picture of the desk where the books are supposed to be. Imagine <laughs> my book is here. Before we get to the general topics, this is something that I am a little bit curious about. So you've been paying attention to all of the like scandals and drama pretty closely for like a year. Mm-hmm. What would you say are your, let's say, top three most fun, <laughs> enjoyable book scandals for you? Ooh. Ones where you're like, this is such absurd behavior. Isn't this funny? Or something where you would tell your friends who don't watch your channel, like, listen to what this author did. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the most petty thing that you've seen? <laughs> One that comes to mind. And it's not what that she was in the wrong, but Nora Roberts, who is, you know, prolific writer. She, I don't know how she does it. Or she has like a Facebook group and like a maybe a, a forum like on her website where yeah. people talk about book her books and stuff. She releases like at least four books a year, multiple different series under different pen names. And some lady was commenting and, and like basically trying to tell Nora Roberts how publishing should work. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have these books already written, then we shouldn't have to wait X amount of years for the next book. Like it should just come out. She was just saying all this stuff and then she would end the sentence with fact you already have all these books written fact like (laughs) this whole tirade yeah just mail us a word document that counts (laughs) and nora roberts was like I guess she had already talked to the lady and she kept going because she was like, I've already explained the process to you, Deborah." I can't believe she like, <laughs> What if that's like her aunt or something? Like, <laughs> she put her in her place and it's just one of my favorite things. Like, I've already explained the process to you, Deborah. Like, how are you telling the Nora Roberts how publishing works? I love that Nora Roberts not only like engaged with her enough to explain it, but then engaged again and was like... You're still wrong. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're back? You're still here? <laughs> this is not petty, but bad, but... Is it Ellen or Elin Hildebrand? Uh She's written a bunch of books too. And so someone had posted a review on Instagram. They didn't tag her. They did use like hashtag her name and I think the book title. The person was describing the series as kind of like a popcorn read. Like it's just really dramatic. Nothing like mind-blowing literary work, but just like a dramatic series. She's like, I don't know why I keep reading these, but they're fun. They're entertaining. They fly by. And I guess she searches her hashtag and found that review and was like, 
like she like comment I don't know if she commented or responded to the person like in DMs but she was like I can't believe like you wrote this about my book this <laughs> review makes me want to kill myself oh, and I was oh, like gee, okay she is a millionaire she is such a famous writer wow. I was like she has so many books and then she had like an author friend jump in who was like how dare you like this is her hard work this is her art <laughs> and like going back and forth like they just kept going back and forth with this person and then it ended up in stories and stuff. And she's like, okay, maybe my comment was a bit rash, but can you uh, understand like my feelings? And you're like, a bit rash, ma'am? No, I still can't. If you're a millionaire, you should not name search. No. It's just a bad idea. That is so absurd. You enjoy your money. What are you doing <laughs> on the internet? Just keep putting out your books. But yeah, she was searching her hash- her hashtag on Instagram and that, and I just thought that was one of the most ridiculous things. And then for like an author friends to like jump in, I'm like, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a uh, conversation that keeps coming up like in book two, book Twitter, like authors and reviewer spaces, because sometimes they go into reviews on Goodreads and stuff and like leave nasty comments. And it's like, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Dessen, the YA writer. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one is one where I actually would, I like told multiple people, I was like, can you believe this? Listen to this. I am still disappointed in that drama. Sorry for people who don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> so what happened was a student at college, so there's something called like the summer read or whatever, and mm-hmm. colleges will recommend books that they want, they think all the students should read, basically. The college newspaper, someone just asked a random student, oh, what do you think? Whatever. A student gave her opinion, and her opinion was, I think for the summer read, we should be reading like books that will teach people things, such as, I don't remember mm-hmm. which book exactly, but it was a book that like, ta- it was some like nonfiction book about race in the U.S. And she was like, this is an important book, whatever. And she said, as a counterexample, like, I don't think we should, they should be assigning YA books, like, and said this author's name saying like, these books are fine, but I don't think, you know, blah, 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 blah. So the writer who's hugely popular screenshotted this bit of like college newspaper article. Only part of it. She did not even the whole thing. (laughs) That had the student's name, right? Or it was like right before (laughs) Mm -hmm. the name. I think the name was in it. So screenshotted the part that was just looked like the student was talking crap about the writer, left out the part where the student was saying, like, we should be reading important, like, things that teach you things about the world since we're in college, whatever, and tweeted it and was like, wow, misogyny. (laughs) I can't believe she would talk like this. Everyone always looks down on stuff written for girls and women, even though it's valid. And a bunch of writers who I previously respected, which I do not respect them anymore, and I'm a lot of their books were on my like TBR pile and I'm really disappointed that I I'm I just can't even read them. I was so excited but now I'm like I can't. I don't authors you would not expect. I was so upset. They all piled on this college girl. Yes. And, and then she came <laughs> back and was like I never said her name, right? But even though she clearly Yeah. 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 Like she didn't it was either in the screenshot or like really easy to see or find or something and I think the girl had yeah. to delete her Twitter like she was getting yeah. harassed by people. Yeah. That was awful. I remember one person was just like called the girl a bitch yeah they all just took the screenshot at face value right yeah. oh it was God. out of control i was really and this was like an like a 17 to 19 year old girl i think she was like a freshman or a sophomore or something mm-hmm. but like 
Roxanne Gay, uh, Angie oh, Thomas. I was so disappointed in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to name all of the writers because I don't want to say someone who... there's too many. I know. I feel like we're about to start something here. <laughs> no, nobody's going to... Yeah. I mean, it's okay. Like, if we get controversy, that's fine with me. Finally, some attention. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I've got it. <laughs> Roxanne Gay, Jody Picoult, Jennifer Weiner, Jenny Hahn, the To All the Boys I've Loved Before writer, Angie oh, no. Thomas who has written apparently great YA books, which I was excited to read, but now I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And N.K. Jemison. Oh, <gasps> no. Yes. Really? The one who did the foreword to Parable of the Sower. She's the only author on that list where I'm like, I'm still going to read her stuff. I just lost a lot of respect for her. Oh, that makes me sad. I think she was one of the first ones to apologize okay. after. I know Roxanne Gay did as well. Roxanne Gay gets in too much drama. <laughs> she lives on Twitter. She lives. She's always in it. Rachel, if you clap, she claps <laughs> yes. back. She should not be clapping back. She also has tons of money. She's got a great wife, a great life. Like, get off of Twitter, Roxanne. Write another <laughs> essay collection. <laughs> well, she's starting an imprint. Oh, gosh. Okay. What's an imprint? Um, an imprint of a publishing company. So, it's like, like a sub publishing company? Because there's only currently five major publishers in the US, sadly. And it's about to go down to four if they approve Ugh. this big merger. It's disgusting. Mm. It seems like there's so many publishers, but so many of the imprints right. are, they're just under like Simon and Schuster. I don't know how the politics of that really works, like how much control. I guess they have some level of control over what their imprint, and usually they sometimes focus on certain things. Like they might be only tr- children's books, or only nonfiction. Right. I'm interested to see what her imprint uh, does. And she's starting one. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if they give her a lot of control because, you know, writers, they don't tend to become household names, but she's like pretty close mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, nonfiction writers. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was so disappointed. I could not believe it. Ugh. I know. I know. Okay, now we need a palate cleanser of something funny. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just curious about the, the imprint thing. Is that something that once a writer gets to a certain level in their career, they're just generally approached to do one of these? No. To do it? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's it's kind of rare for... I can't even think of any. Well, her and Rick Riordan, yeah. he's a popular middle grade author. He has an imprint, but... It's not a common thing. Okay. This is just an example. A lot of sci-fi books and fantasy books are published by, it, it'll say on the spine, like, Tor. Mm-hmm. And if you Google it, mm-hmm. it turns out that's an imprint of Macmillan Publishing, which is mm-hmm. one of the big five publishing houses. It's just a way for them to kind of differentiate. So instead of having, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have editors who specialize in acquiring and editing sci-fi stuff right. or like mysteries or whatever. But normally their imprints are not personality driven. They're okay. like genre driven. Yeah. I guess they're just hoping that her fame will give those books an extra boost, which it's possible. Yeah. She mentioned doing like a almost like an internship, but not that it's paid like a, a mentorship kind of thing. And she really wants to focus on like marginalized writers and getting people in to know different aspects of publishing. So it sounds like there's some really good intentions and hopefully can sign some you know new voices to really help diversify publishing, which is really white. Yeah. So right. hopefully, maybe she'll have to take a Twitter hiatus. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. Like about- <laughs> I don't know how hands-on she could be if she's like also running an imprint and doing her own writing. Like how many people can she mentor? I don't know how many it was. And I know she said they were limiting to like maybe three or four books mm. per year. Okay. So maybe, you know, keeping it 
lower. She can be more hands-on with the process. Right. <clears throat> what I read, the article wasn't super in-depth, so I want to know more about her plans. Yeah. I'm intrigued for sure. <laughs> Chance for redemption for Russia. <laughs> <laughs> if she hears this podcast and yeah. she calls me one of her nemeses, I would not have a problem with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd be honored. I don't know if Jess is going to be as happy no, to be I'll a nemesis, but we're going to oh be God. pumped. Yeah. Ugh, I'll have no. to make a video about myself. I'm like, oh, I'm one of Roxanne Gay. <laughs> Normally, she just subtweets, but she'll literally be like, yeah. I gained a new nemesis today, everyone. And then I'm... everyone in the comments is like, woohoo, I love your nemesis. <laughs> so I know we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, if it's okay with you, like your experience, like growing up in American high schools and going through the process of being taught like the quote unquote Western canon. And mm. you said maybe a lot of the process of that kind of turned you off of these books. And yeah. that's something that we have been kind of talking about in some of our episodes is just the idea of what forms the Western canon and should it be a thing or should it not be a thing? Like, how do we get people to read it? How do we get works to be included in it that should be included in it? And it's just so existential that we get all wrapped up in a big donut and we get confused. <laughs> so you're here to solve that problem for us. Yeah. So we decided oh, we're going to ask the Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> But just, you know, uh, one person's experience with it. And where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in South Carolina, outside of okay. Charleston, a town called Somerville. So I've always been an avid reader, loved reading since I could read. And then, of course, as I got older, that became less and less with more things required from school. I feel like the first classic that I remember reading was like an I read in eighth grade, Great Expectations. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it, <laughs> I wish you could see her face right now. Just <laughs> I like know the basics of the, the story because I've also seen like the old movie, the newer movie. Mm-hmm. I just remember crying to my mom being like, I can't read this. She's like, you have to read it. And I was like, I don't want to. It's so boring. And then I loved The Sun Also Rises by, what is it? Ernest Hemingway and Of Mice and Men. But I didn't like The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other books that we read that I had to read in like ninth, 10th grade. But in my final year, I took AP Lit. We had to read Crime and Punishment over the summer as summer reading, which was like, felt like a punishment. Hashtag fun. Go to the beach and... Yeah, Theodore, <laughs> right along. I was, <laughs> of course, me and my best friend, we were taking the class and we waited till like the week before school started. And I remember liking it. I would like to reread it because I, that was so long ago. And then we read like The Kite Runner, which I loved. But then we read Tess of the Durbervilles. Okay, that one almost made me throw up. Ugh. So like, there's a lot of classics that I had to read that I either didn't and I did the spark note or like The Catcher in the Rye. But then two that are just potent in my memory are Great Expectations and Tess of the Durvilles. Like I was like, once I am free, I shall never (laughs) read classics again. (laughs) I read Great Expectations in ninth grade and Tess of the Durvilles in my senior year. So pretty much just like you did. Yeah. I also had just about the same experience with The Great Gatsby. Didn't really like it. Okay, so Tess of the Durvilles. I remember not really liking it, but then weeping a lot at the end. (laughs) Mm. Usually you don't not care about a book for 90% of it and then cry a bunch, you know? Yeah. But that was just like the worst possible combination. I was just like, what an idiot. What an idiot Tess is. Oh, I thought you were talking about yourself. Uh, No, Tess is a moron. How dare you cry, Jackie? I don't know if we want to like briefly talk about any of these books for anybody who hasn't read them, but basically like it's a tragic story. And I remember from my high school perspective, and I don't know if you felt the same way, Jess, where I was just like, she's an idiot. All of this bad stuff happened to her. Really, she's a victim like she's a victim of absolutely everybody but I was just like 
<laughs> no, I feel like I felt frustrated at her the entire time. Like, yeah. I should feel bad for you, but no, you're making terrible choices. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. are you doing these things? This man is creepy. You should be able to see that. <laughs> I did not weep at the end, though. <laughs> no weeping for me. Unless it was with happiness. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, done, <laughs> never again. <laughs> it seems like the common denominator for you is these, like, mm-hmm. doorstopper books in terms of the ones that really turned you off reading for a while, which I'm wondering if that could be the case, because I feel like with a lot of high schoolers, you know, the Great Gatsby or Lord of the Flies or whatever, they maybe they hate them, but they're quick, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they're relatively short. Almost all of Dickens oh. and Tessa D'Urbervilles, they're, like, hundreds of pages long. Yeah. I'm wondering if, like, as a policy recommendation, we should tell high school teachers, like, <laughs> no, no, no. Short, <laughs> Don't please. do these long ones. <laughs> I haven't read enough classics to say, you know, what I think would be better, but I feel like mm-hmm. when you think about teenagers, what they're into, some of these topics you're just like you don't care about like maybe a romance or something is maybe Mm -hmm. more like a classic romance story or something else is more appealing but I don't Mm -hmm. this is kind of veering back to my book community because something Mm -hmm. happened with there's a movement I guess like a group called disrupt text and it's like educators who are trying to push back against the canon and what's recommended in schools and not get rid of it but try to incorporate more modern things more books that would be more relatable to students of different backgrounds and of course there's people who are mad and think they're trying to get rid of the canon books. Hemingway's not going anywhere. Calm down. Nowhere. (laughs) You know, like they're fine. They're still going to be there. And I feel like so like a maybe a better mix or just like, I guess really looking at your audience. And like I said, I haven't read enough classics and some I liked. I feel like I liked uh, (laughs) The Sun Also Rises. I don't know why that spoke to me. It was just like people in their like 20s and 30s drinking and having fun in Spain. Over And I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. Other things are just like, oh, this is such a bore. And it's 650 pages. So yeah, some of those books, too, I feel like the ones that you didn't like and that I kind of felt the same about was it's like they're books about teenagers but they're not for teenagers and yeah. I think they make the mistake of thinking that we're gonna identify with Holden Caulfield or Tess of Durbervilles <gasps> or basically all these books that are like you can't appreciate these so much because this is just horrible stuff happening to kids your own age and <laughs> yeah but I related nothing to nothing with Holden Caulfield oh my god I just was like he's the worst right or Pip from Great Expectations yeah no just something that I don't maybe this is a modern classic. Uh, the out- is the Outsiders considered a modern classic yet, or is it too young? I think so. <laughs> it's one I love, and I love the movie. It had a lot of old school hotties in it. <laughs> that went to me, even though the main characters are all guys, because it's basically the setup is there's the rich kids and the poor kids. Mm. I can relate to that, but yeah, some <laughs> yeah. of these older texts, I'm just like all of us are either rich or poor. We get it. <laughs> yeah, poor. I'm right there with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm reading. I'm reading Great Expectations, and I'm like, well damn I wish I had a benefactress or something his his benefactor yeah I was like well that would be cool but I'm stuck here in high school would you have said you had a passion for literature or like in the same way that you have now do you have one now yeah maybe that was a weird thing to say I don't know do you even like books (laughs) I have a passion for literature (laughs) I feel like in high school I didn't look at it like that way I was just like yeah I like to read yeah and I know this is a taboo thing to talk about now, but obviously at my age, Harry Potter was still coming out mm. in high school. And so I was all about that life, but you know, we shall not name her or it <laughs> anymore. No, she can't be redeemed. Yeah. Oh, Joanne. So sad. I know. 
I feel so bad for huge fans of Harry Potter. There are so many, like, queer teens who, when they were kids yep. growing up, like, when they were in high school mm-hmm. and college and couldn't come out, they were like, wow, Harry Potter, the message of this is, like, really getting me through this. And then she just betrayed yeah. everyone. I know people who have tattoos from Harry Potter, and they're like, oh, yeah. God, now it's on my body. Yeah. Ugh. So sad. It is. Yeah. No, we were the same. We were the same. I dressed up as Luna Lovegood and went to the premieres and all that stuff. My mom even let me get out of school early to go to like premieres and, you know, midnight releases at Barnes and Noble. But, you know, it was a different time. Yes. Those were the days. Yes. God, (laughs) simple. It was a different time. But I remember in high school being like, yeah, I love to I love to read. But it was just I was trying to do like a harder track in high school. I mean, I let that go after a while but so I was having to read more required things where I was like I don't want to read these like I want to read other things and then I kind of fell off of heavy or like continuous reading for a really long time Mm. after that in college would you say that that kind of required reading or assigned reading being not as engaging to you would you say that that kind of turned you off of like what quote-unquote like heavier reading or I think it was a combination of things kind of that because towards the end especially AP Lit that was the majority of what I was reading Mm. but then also I won't fully blame it on classics but this sounds so dumb now because of like how much the book internet exists and all these different things but I didn't really know about like genres and stuff back then I was like well when Harry Potter ends what do I read like I just assumed (laughs) adult books were bring up the queen I was like Nora Roberts or like James (laughs) Patterson books that I saw at the grocery store I'm like I don't want to read those (laughs) so I went through like this weird transition of like what do I read now besides rereading you know the same thing and then I read occasional things like then the twilight craze came and I was like oh well I'll read these yeah and hunger games me like finding things myself it was a while and then college and I was like oh didn't have time and then I got back into like I started reading game of thrones Mm -hmm. and I got back into reading and Mm -hmm. here I am today wow props to George thanks George yeah props to George (laughs) It, it seems like it almost felt like there was either kids or young adult books or like super old crusty like ancient white guy books was like the two things that there were to read and like (laughs) slowly realizing that there's stuff in between. I read romance now but I used to be like oh I don't want to read Fabio books you know (laughs) half naked men on the cover and I just I would go into Barnes and Noble but like I'm like I don't know I don't know these things or if this is going to be boring so for a while yeah I was like in this weird space where I'm like well I don't think there's anything for me. Mm. So I kind of just didn't read. We talked about with Beowulf, we had a conversation with uh, Rachel's former high school teacher. There's like several different (laughs) versions of Beowulf. I don't know if you've like heard of these. There's like, you know, the old translations and Mm -hmm. then there's like a fairly new one, which is like very supposed to be hip and modern. I would say it is hip and modern. It it is. (laughs) But we talked about this idea that you take this super old, like out of date, irrelevant feeling story for high schoolers and then give them this new up-to-date version and a lot of kids might feel like pandered to Mm -hmm. so I kind of was interested in your thoughts on that like what if your high school experience had been oh let's take a version of Great Expectations that's like switched around and made more fun you know like is that something that we should be doing for kids or 
can we just scrap that and just give them a whole new book? Mm. So do you mean like an adaptation or literally the same story, but they change the language to make it more? That's what it was with Beowulf. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Cause I'm I like, and again, I don't remember the, a lot about great expectations to know. Why would you? It's I just, I mean, no offense to Dickens. Yeah. Just let it go <laughs> and, and put in something else. Cause I think there's just, it's so old. It's <laughs> is even if people want to just stick with the old classics they don't have to be 500 pages like there are plenty of really good classic books that are 250 pages or less even ones Mm -hmm. that are under 200 pages or 150 pages that are like just as well thought of and to be honest I kind of feel like that is a lot of the problem like if a kid is stuck reading a book that they hate for months yes that's a much bigger problem than if the teacher's like okay we're gonna spend two weeks on this Mm -hmm. read 10 pages a day Mm -hmm. I honestly kind of feel like that might be enough no I think length (laughs) makes a big difference or like I know a lot of classic authors also had like short story collections and stuff yeah. like that. So it's like, you can get them interested and then as they get older, maybe they're like, well, I liked this this work by Dickens or something and they can on their own and at a different place right. go and explore those longer works. But yeah, like 15, reading a 600 page like classic English work of literature right. is just like... <laughs> <laughs> or like Dostoevsky, like you could read some of his short stories and get kind of the same ideas about what was going on in that time period and what the whole, I, what his whole point is. Like his whole spiel is always kind of the same thing. And you can get that from his short stories just as easily as from Crime and Punishment. Which they're great. Yeah. <laughs> but my theory is that, okay, so I'm thinking, of, I, I know to keep going back to Great Expectations, but I'm thinking about my experience of reading this. And I remember just how tiny the words were. Yes. And I guarantee you, that's the reason they make high school kids read it, because you're not going to have good enough vision to ever read that book. There's no large print version of it because it would weigh a thousand pounds. Yeah. They have to keep it tiny and give it to the young little eyes. This is your only chance to read this. The Dickens Industrial Complex. You're not going to be able to even see this when you're 21. You've got to do it now. That is a good theory. I feel personally offended when I get a book. Like I was reading a wild. YA book. And I was like, excuse me, why is the print so small? (laughs) Unacceptable. Because it's for people who aren't geriatric like us. (laughs) (laughs) So you weren't that into books for a few years, it sounds like, with like occasional forays back for whatever the hot YA thing was that was going off at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was Game of Thrones that pulled you back in. Did you kind of stick with fantasy books? Have you expanded? Have you gone back and said like, let me give some more classic literature a try or what what is what are your reading habits like these days it's kind of been a, a an interesting journey because it was my who's now my sister-in-law um was telling me about game of thrones because it was on tv obviously and i was like hadn't watched it and she was mm-hmm. like i'm reading the books you should read them and i was in college at the time i mean they're huge and so i would read them really slowly like i go into barnes and noble i bought one <laughs> and i read that for a while and then go in and buy the other one i used to just buy one book at a time what a concept <laughs> well because if you're in college like that's your whole paycheck right there. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, I've got textbooks to read. So after that, after graduating, I also lived in Texas for a little bit. That's where my in-laws live. And we would, she was telling me about books she was reading. So I 
started, like I read some mysteries, like the Girl in the Dragon Tattoo series. And so I was just kind of picking up some random things that I found. But what really got me back into like consistent reading and all these books I have here is we, she discovered, she was like, do you know there's a bookstagram? And I was like, <laughs> what? She's like, people post about their books on Instagram. And I'm like, I've never seen this. So like I moved a lot and I had like a little shelf from Target that was falling apart. It had just like, you know, my Harry Potter books, Twilight, just like random books that I had accumulated, but like nothing more. And so we, she was like, oh, we found a couple series. So it was like Throne of Glass, the Shadow and Bone series. She's like, these are what's popular. We should read these. Mm-hmm. There were like five. Five Throne of Glass books out. And so we read all five of those. And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and that kind of like reignited because then we read like Akatar, Shadow and Bone, Six of Crows. Like we got, I was in a big YA fantasy mood for a while. I love that you just had this like friend to, yes. we should do this together. And and so it wasn't like a book club that you just went together. Yeah. It's like a two person book club. <laughs> a very exclusive book club. It very. Well, we would just go back and forth and like, yeah. oh my God, did you get to this part yet? And <laughs> yeah. So we did YA fantasy for a long time and I kind of stuck on that just reading all the popular, you know, YA books. Like I mostly was fantasy and some sci-fi, mm-hmm. then kind of started getting into like adult fantasy with Brandon Sanderson. But only recently, like in the last two years, I started more like branching out. I started reading romance. I've always liked historical fiction here and there. And then the last year really started adding in nonfiction. Mm. And I've really been enjoying that. So kind of a, I hop kind of all over the place, even though right now I'm not in a fantasy mood. It's- I love the nonfiction that you do because I love nonfiction and I feel like people don't always talk about that like in social media as much yeah it's not as glamorous it isn't yeah (laughs) but they're so fun to talk about because I always was like nonfiction is boring and I found that I for the most part am better when I listen to it on audio Mm -hmm. I mean some books are just you know maybe they're not well written so they are boring but I've just been finding a lot of ones that I actually really do enjoy end up just buying physical copies of and yeah even when you know if I talk about them on my channel it's a lower view or whatever but I just it's always feels like so dumb to say but I'm like I love learning and I feel like I just keep (laughs) you know learning different things it feels Uh, so dumb to say that I love so uncool (laughs) (laughs) but I do this thing to myself where I read too many like sad or like hard hitting nonfiction. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so sad now because I just read yeah. these back to back. So I'm like, I need to find some lighthearted nonfiction. But every once in a while, you gotta yeah. break it up. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I was curious about, which we touched on when I had spoken to you before, from what I've observed on BookTube, which if you you know if you're not in the mood to talk about it, no worries. But the BookTube community compared to the actual readership of books is like extremely white, like very much so. (laughs) And also male booktubers are really overrepresented. We found a stat that said like of all the books purchased, 80% of them are purchased by women. So the fact that white male booktubers are so big, it's just Mm. bizarre to me. And I'm wondering, you know, is it an algorithm thing? Is it just like, you know, women and people of color don't want to deal with the harassment that comes with being prominent? Or like, is it just the audience prejudice? Like, how has your experience been? Because, you know, you've been doing it for a year now? I think it's a combination. And I myself am an outlier. I think his book community has done so well. 
from what I viewed and people that I've talked to that have been on booktube for a while, the trajectory is usually not this fast mm-hmm. for a black woman on, on booktube in our little niche. Cause I mean, booktube in comparison to YouTube is super small in general. So like our top creators are like 300, 400,000, which is a lot, yeah. you know, to me, but you know, compared to like the beauty community who have like 14 million right. subscribers yeah, right. or something. <laughs> so I did a live stream with two other creators where we were talking about kind of like looks and and how that plays into book two because Mm -hmm. when I first watched it you know I found it was predominantly white and I had to search a long longer time to find different creators and still I know people have started booktube and either you know don't get the traction or do face harassment or certain things and then they eventually quit so I think there's like a turnover definitely the algorithm you know doesn't promote them as much as they do other ones the algorithm is a (laughs) enigma who knows how how it works and then on like that live we were talking about just like unconscious bias and like what people find is like the typical standard of beauty and what they want to watch and some people in the chat were like but you're talking about books obviously you know people must just come for the books and it's like no people like to look at people they like to look at like your background what you're filming in front of and so we just talked about that you know being black is not the standard beauty different hair textures if you wear makeup if you don't all these different things so I've been lucky because I've followed other people who is taking them who make constant content, great content that, you know, I think, and it's taking them a longer time to get to the same subscriber count that I got to in a year. So I'm definitely an outlier, but I see other people pop up and, you know, they don't even post as much and maybe they're at like 40K in no time. And definitely with men, for some reason, they really love (laughs) male booktubers. So it's definitely a combo. I wonder if it's because it seems like the biggest things for people to talk about are sci-fi, fantasy, and YA, Mm -hmm. which I know YA tends to be, like, more female-dominated. Yeah. But when people think of, like, a sci-fi nerd or, like, a fantasy nerd, what they picture is usually, like, a white man. A comic book guy from The Simpsons, basically. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I wonder if it's just, like, if you see two people talking about Game of Thrones and one is, like, a white male nerd and one is a black woman, if people are like, well, this this guy probably has more to say about it. Yes, I think spot on, because there's... There's some of me, you know, my friends, because I mean, we read adult fantasy and sci-fi. Yeah. And I've been fortunate for the most part not to experience this, but I know other women, some white and some not, who've posted about fantasy and if they have any opinion against like a popular opinion or if they have anything that's not a glowing review, they get a lot of hate comments Mm. from a lot of what we call dude bros, the sci-fi dude bros, like Brandon Sanderson. A lot of these like popular white authors have really intense, sometimes toxic fandoms. Yeah. Like I have a friend and she had a video uh, talking about about why she didn't like uh, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. And she had to take it down because she started getting death threats. Oh my god! It just doesn't make sense. It, but I think it's exactly what you said. That they're like, oh, well, if, unless you're a man, you don't know about yeah. science fiction and fantasy. Or it's, it's often like, no, you read that wrong. You didn't understand it. <laughs> it was like this. And it's like, yeah. obviously, fantasy and sci-fi really lend itself to mm. fandoms because there's, you know, you can theorize, there's fan arts, magic systems, all this stuff you can like continuously talk about and make content on. Yeah, 
those those dude bros are vicious and really love to think that you know if you don't love it then you're wrong right right <laughs> and you shouldn't be here this is just also my opinion and my perspective but i think that you could take almost anything in the world have a white man talk about it and then have someone who's not a white man talk about it and everyone's going to think that that guy's the one who understands it more like it doesn't really matter what it is even in the beauty community the biggest right. ones tend to be <laughs> white guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> you that's so spot on because there's like I'm not going to name the person but there is a, a white dude creator what he says people just take his law and like mm-hmm. he say, made a video talking down about like YA and everyone's like oh YA is just stupid or right. makes all these things and everyone's like oh yeah and I'm like but right. other people have said this other people have talked about this for so long and it's like <laughs> god but it didn't matter until he said it <laughs> I feel like it's like on some level everyone who's not in that group kind of understands and even if even if you are in that group I just feel like everybody understands that like this is the group that has like all the voice and like the power and we're just it's best to kind of just go along with whatever is being said you know I wonder you as an individual like have you ever felt like you needed to change how you present yourself or like adjusted your opinions on books yeah or anything like that to like stand out or like stand out but also fit in in a weird way (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I often have those thoughts just about my appearance because I'm pretty lazy. Um, <laughs> I do a lot, but I'm like, maybe I should. Maybe I should buy some new clothes and put on some makeup and, you know, change my hair. And ultimately it comes down to me being lazy and not doing it. But I have had those thoughts because, you know, you see certain thumbnails and what people look like and what videos are doing well versus other ones. So I've thought about that. Mm-hmm. Opinion on reading, I don't feel as much because I, and I've admitted this on my channel before mainly was just going with what's popular and Mm. there is a popular conversation ongoing about like you know reading more diversely and even me myself as a black person wasn't reading a lot of books that weren't just by popular white authors so I've been trying to add more of that in and you know there's some people who comment like oh social justice warrior why can't Mm -hmm. we just read what we want to read or you're not the book police you're not forcing them (laughs) yeah this is just what I'm trying to do and then I did make a recommendations video about a certain trope found family Mm. But there were books I've read like, a couple years ago. So they were all by like popular white authors. And someone's like, I'm disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. Going by your brand, I would expect there to at least be. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just didn't have any in this category yeah. by an author of color that I had to put in here. I'm sorry to disappoint you. So I feel like in that way, uh, some people expect me to have this like perfectly diverse yeah. reading mm-hmm. habit. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of all over the place. I mean, I do try to be more conscious to include all kinds of different, you know, ethnicities, sexualities and stuff, but like it's an ongoing process. I I don't know. I guess I think it shouldn't be on you as the individual who is a part of the black community to save. Yeah, fix publishing. (laughs) It's not on you to fix racism. It's on racists to fix racism. (laughs) Also, I know that, you know, if you look at the writers that get a lot of heat for like, you know, whatever mistakes they make. Sometimes they're actually a big deal. Sometimes they're not a big deal. The ones who get a lot of shit tend to be like minorities in some way, mm-hmm. which sucks. You know, like if a huge writer like George R. R. Martin or whatever, if he does something in his books that's sexist, which he has done, 
what? <laughs> yeah, you don't see calls that are like, we need to cancel him, whatever. You know, he had a scandal recently with, I think, the Hugo Awards. He was like very, very tone deaf and like praising this guy who was super duper racist. Oh. So that he got some backlash there. It was, I, I don't, I don't remember if it was the Hugos, but it was some sci-fi awards ceremony and they had renamed it because the guy it was named after was racist. Mm-hmm. But he like got on and just, he was the host and he went on and on and on talking about that guy and how important he was. <laughs> he's very out of touch. But the thing is, because he's so out of touch, you know, he got some heat, but he doesn't know about that. Whereas if you get like a writer who writes something that, you know, could be considered insensitive, maybe, maybe not, who knows, they get tons of criticism. Like I've seen writers, minority writers, like debut writers, pull their books from publication Mm -hmm. because of flack they get before the book is even out of people saying like, I'm sure this, you're going to handle this topic poorly or like, how dare you write a book about this, whatever. And you get all these books by white writers that are super offensive and they're fine. Like (laughs) nobody says anything, Mm -hmm. which I, I think is a big problem. I don't know what can be done to fix it, but it's just something I've noticed a lot recently. Like it seems like it's picking up. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to (laughs) publishing is a a beast in itself, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I've definitely seen that like people get arcs and then they have a lot to say and then it gets like, Oh, I'm delaying it or they're pulling it back. Um, But then when there are like bigger authors, who are white and they get called out for stuff it only lasts for like a little bit of time like online and then people just go back to normal and it's fine they're still in the new york times bestseller list and i'm not saying people shouldn't criticize this stuff it's just that the backlash disproportionately falls on people who tend to be excluded from publishing already Mm -hmm. (laughs) making it so much harder and then like you have again the one who shall not be named like she just won't shut up yeah she could have had the one scandal i know be quiet (laughs) she never she just won't leave it alone she just keeps talking. <laughs> and she's still like, you know, richer than the Queen of England and all this stuff. So yeah. do you have advice for someone who's like maybe newer and starting out and, you know, looks up to you? Like, what would you tell them about like this journey? Oh, my God. <laughs> looks up to me? Looks up to me. Yeah, no, Ooh. you. I'm you. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice? Um, For BookTube, it sounds corny. What you have to be yourself. Because I've watched people who it's clear they're not they're trying to emulate another creator or another like style of someone right and it just doesn't come off genuine and I think although we are talking about books a lot of it is your personality that people are going to click with so if you're being someone else it's just not going to come off authentic and then to read what you like which sounds so simple but so many people <laughs> read books just to have to talk about them if they're popular or right. reading a book they know they hate so they can have a popular opinion which <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I've done I've done a hate read before sometimes it's we're fun, totally gonna do that yeah <laughs> if that's all you do is only reading things because you think you should and not because you want to you're not gonna enjoy it. you're not gonna want to make videos about them yeah. and you'll just burn out quicker and so mm-hmm. I think those are the two most important things and to just start with what you have because I know I used to be like oh I don't have a camera I don't have all this like I just started on my phone mm-hmm. and then you know slowly got things I think some people are like I have to have all these shelves and a fancy camera and you really don't 
<laughs> like you can just read all your books from the library. That's what Cindy does. Yeah. Film on your phone. And if, you know, people click with your personality, like what you read, then yeah. it'll go from there. It sounds like just being genuine. And yeah. I feel like I just keep doing this where I'm like, here's another thing I liked about your, your videos. <laughs> I just remember you talking about how you just sometimes like can't, like you're in the middle of a bunch of books at once and you just can't bring yourself to finish them. And you're just like not really in the mood sometimes. And like, <laughs> I'm just like, that makes me feel so much better because I see these bookstagrammers and stuff with like, here's my 16 books that I read between yeah. 5 and 7 p.m. And I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. So it's like very refreshing to hear someone who's like so into books and so like in the book community, just like sometimes, sometimes you're just in the middle of six things at once and it doesn't mean you're bad to your books. Yeah, I've been doing that. Like I read a nonfiction that just like made me so sad. And so I would just start something and I was like, uh and start something else. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I, I do that all the time. I used to be very much like read one book, but I've been like listening to an audiobook. I'm doing a bunch of buddy reads. So mm. sometimes I'm just like, read a book, finish, start another one and can go. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm just like, I'm just going to play the Sims today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to rewatch Call the Midwife. Why not? I don't, you know. <laughs> it seems like that's one of the yeah, like unintended benefits of your popular miniseries being not based on books you're reading because <laughs> yes. if you're not into a book right then you're not you don't have to like speed read just so you have something to say that week you can just go on trending on twitter see what's going on i know it's so nice and then as i've gotten bigger like people send me things sometimes like i someone sent me a long email today so sometimes i find them sometimes people send it to me but it is nice not having it based on that because i just feel like the pressure's off and i'm like well if i only read four books i only did you know like i'm not like i need to be right. having content from based on what I'm reading and I still do but sometimes I'm just like well not today <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean going back to like you know the inspiring the next generation or whatever I feel like there probably are like young kids and like young girls that are watching you and being like oh I could do this like <laughs> oh my gosh that's terrifying you're just like I don't even like thinking about that <laughs> I'm like I have a potty mouth sorry kids <laughs> maybe maybe not young young teens kids. Yeah. let's say teens no but yeah. I would hope you know especially black girls or you know mm -hmm. black kids kids of all because we just there are more people but there's not enough and mm -hmm. it's just fun following different people from all different and I've been trying to find people outside of the U.S. also mm -hmm. and just try to get better recommendations because it but it is very U.S. centric but I know there are creators and you know all over the world but it's just easier especially if they speak English to follow people mm -hmm. from the states but I hope more people keep joining and maybe we can take up some more space in the YouTube sphere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just going to say that unless you had more questions, maybe we could have Jess, like if you had any other booktubers you recommend people check out or like any books that you've been really liking lately, you're welcome to say them. And then if you're, if you can't remember them at the time, we can always just add them to the show notes when we publish the episode. Oh, yes. Um, well, books, if anyone's in the mood for romance, I keep telling everyone to read this book called Sweet Hand. Sweet Hand by, it's like N.G. Peltier. I don't know. I can send it to you if you to like to put it yeah, in yeah, the we'll notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the notes. Yeah. That's an adult romance. And then if someone wants fantasy <laughs> middle grade, Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston. It's one of my favorites <laughs> of the year. It's like magic. And then I'm trying to like look at my shelves. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, yeah, I read books. And then someone's like, what do you like? And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. Books? <laughs> yeah. Me? Um, an adult horror novella. It's not like super scary. It's more like body horror. But it's Ring Shout by P. Jelly 
Kelly Clark. Oh my God, it's so good. I want everyone to read it. <laughs> I have it on my TBR shelf. I get scared easily, so I've held back. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't even read Goosebumps growing up. <laughs> growing up. Oh my God. Did you read those? I loved Goosebumps. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so good. I still remember like, oh, uh, what was the one with like the puppet? Ah, Slappy, Night of the Living Dummy. Woo! Yeah. My dad, the basement <laughs> puppet. My dad, the basement yeah. puppet. No. We had a whole episode about this. Oh my God. I love Goosebumps, kids. I feel yes. like, Rachel, I'm sorry, but if you didn't read Goosebumps growing up, you're just like not quite as excellent as, girl, as kids who did read Goosebumps. I don't care. <laughs> but yes, read Ring Shout. Just read in the daylight. I don't think it's that scary. It's more like the horror is more racism and like they're monsters, like body. But it's a no, I mean, a super, ugh, super short. So I yeah. think you should read it. It's a novella for sure. Do you have any uh, booktubers that you recommend the audience check out? My faves that come to mind that I think everyone should watch are uh, Bookish Realm mm-hmm. and um, books like Whoa. And then also How to Train Your Gavin. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's also Stephanie Bookish is another one. And I'd also say my name is Marines, M-A-R-I-N-E-S. Okay. Those are just a few. Well, thank you. I think for a lot of people who haven't even known that BookTube exists, that'll be a good place to start. Welcome. And I think for our audience, honestly, probably a lot of them don't because we do have a lot of people who are, I think we also have a lot of like people who don't really read that much. So I think it could be exciting to just like get people into that community because they obviously like hearing about books and watching people talk about books. And I think you're absolutely right that like just having someone to look at Hmm. and break up the monotony with a cute dog every once in a while is just so much. Like, it's good for education. It's good for outreach. It's good for everything. (laughs) I do it for the people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) When I discovered it, I was like, what? I didn't know my people were on the internet for so long. (laughs) It was really surprising to me when I saw, when I found out about BookTube, I was like, what? (laughs) This is great. It's a very interesting subculture for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I feel like I could, like, ask a billion more questions, but I don't want to make this a seven-hour long podcast. (laughs) but we can just have a part two yes yes please look at me inviting myself back (laughs) oh you're you're a thousand percent everybody we've had on the podcast we've been like oh we would love to have them back i know and everybody makes that joke they're like oh look i'm just like inviting myself back and i'm like you don't understand what an honor it is that you even spoke to us in the first place so yes (laughs) standing invite If anyone would like to find Jess anywhere else, she's on YouTube as Jess Owens. <laughs> she's on Twitter as underscore said by Jess and on Instagram as said by Jess. That's me. <laughs> so if you want to check out her Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Jess Owens. Theo will just edit that to make it make sense. <laughs> and if you donate to her Patreon, maybe she can pay for faster shipping for the books and then you'll get this content sooner. Yes, I can hire those Air Force jets. Come on in. thank you so much for listening to our chat with jess we had a really great time and we hope she's able to come back when we talk about dune later this year yes she will actually be receiving one of our official fire the cannon podcast stickers in the mail soon as a thanks for being our guest if you would like one for yourself you can find them by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash fire the cannon amazing segue at the five dollars plus tier 
you get a sticker. At the $10 plus tier, you get a regular sticker and a holographic sticker. Oh my gosh. And it just gets better and better from there. Yeah. <laughs> so consider and it. And then at the $15 level, you get a, two holographic stickers and three regular stickers. And Whoa. at $25, you get a bunch of stickers. Just you just get stickers. It's just stickers so many all the way stickers. down. Yeah. I'm just yeah. kidding. That's not true. We <laughs> suffocate you in a pile of stickers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody might be into that. Wow. I I could do it for a certain amount of Patreon money. Ooh, anyway, okay. if you would like to check out our website, we are at firethecannonpod.com. We've got an Instagram and a Twitter also at firethecannonpod. Then we have a Facebook discussion group and announcements page at Fire the Cannon Podcast. If you would like to send us an email to tell us what a great time you had listening to us talk to Jess and how you can't wait for her to come back, you can find us at firethecannonpodcast at gmail.com. And please, for the love of God, don't just tell us you can't wait for for Jess to come back. Say other things, too. Say other things, too. We, we actually would love constructive feedback. Oh, God, my dog's in the closet. So next week, guys, <laughs> we will be doing our first episode of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight in preparation for the Green Knight movie, which will be coming out at the end of this month. So check back in if you want to learn a little bit about the history and the source material. It's a wild ride. It's a yeah. very, very weird Arthurian poem. I think you specifically will love it. I haven't been to a movie theater since before the pandemic. So if you're like that and this might be the first movie that you you know reinitiate yourself into the movie world with then go ahead and just prepare yourself ahead of time by listening to our podcast because it might get a little overwhelming yeah sensory overload and such yeah okay well thanks so much and have a great week everyone goodbye (laughs) Goodbye. Bye 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 now